I'm John Billingsley, and you are listening to Beyond Track Podcast. What are some thoughts of yours towards the whole, like, is Star Trek getting too woke? The idea that a show that exists to push the boundaries in terms of what is acceptable and what is it, and what it should be like just part of our human condition, which mm-hmm. is, you know, everybody on the fucking ship, everybody on the fucking ship, as long as you're nice. To me, it's like you can't be too woke. Hey everybody and welcome back to Beyond Trek Podcast. With me in the room, I've got my esteemed co-host Renzo. Hey everyone. And a super special guest, Tay Phoenix. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, it's great to have you back. I remember um, we connected just before the election and we're talking about Trek the Vote then. And now we're talking about something that's super important and... Mm -hmm. um, You recently had a a cool escapade. Was it on the steps of the Capitol? No, it was. uh, So just across the street from the Capitol, uh, there are three office buildings where the senators uh, work with their staff. And so we were out in front of the Hart Building, um, which is uh, if you ever saw the video from the Kavanaugh hearings with that big arrest with all the the people in that big lobby, that was Hart inside of the lobby of Hart. and so this was outside of Hart. Um, at the moment, you can't go inside any of the buildings. This was outside of the street. Um, but yeah, the steps of the Capitol, uh, that, to me, that, that would have felt a little bit um, much after what happened on January 6th. I think we have to be really careful about if or when we try to use those steps as, a, as part of a protest because of the way that they were used on that day. That's uh, really thoughtful thinking about that. Wasn't my decision, but that's what I would have thought about. So, right on. So, so what happened at the Heart Building then? Tell us what happened. So we took the street. Uh, there was about a hundred of us, all women, um, and it was organized by primarily by the Poor People's Campaign, um, which is a, a project um, jointly of two really amazing faith leaders, Reverend Dr. William Barber and Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris. Um, and the Poor People's Campaign is, I think, one of the most intersectional movements I've ever been part of. It's, you know, they're looking at all of the different ways in which oppression and injustice show up in our society and the ways that those things compound on each other. And so that was that was sort of the organizing group. Um, and so this was about, you know, women demanding the vote and, you know, hearkening back to it was the 173rd uh, anniversary of the Seneca, Seneca Falls Convention, which was, you know, a big milestone in the in the fight to get voting rights for some women let's be clear black women were not represented in that first um in that first step forward uh but this was all about all women coming together to stand for votes for all women um and so we had you can see it behind me there on the wall the restore the voting rights act banner we had you know those just like the suffragettes we were wearing these sashes and um, we took the street we stood in a circle we sang we chanted um you know, we had megaphones, we made a bunch of noise. There were definitely staffers like peeking out their windows at us, like what's going on out there. And they're used to it by now because there's been a protest basically since since the Senate like had the, you know, their filibuster debacle with the For the People Act. There's basically been a, a civil disobedience action or protest on Capitol campus every single day. So they're getting inundated right now with protesters coming in from all over the country saying, voting rights are extremely important and you guys need to get your 
pardon me, but you need to get your shit together. I mean, I live just outside of the DC, like outside of DC itself. So mm-hmm. every time I go into the city, every time there's always somebody protesting. There are some people who essentially have been there 20 years protesting. Like they essentially live in the district and protest every day. So yeah. civil disobedience is one of the perks of living in the area. You get to see mm-hmm. people truly expressing their feelings that way. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Yeah, that may be me someday, honestly. I'm like, maybe I should just move here. I spend so much <laughs> hey, time it's here. It's lovely. It's expensive, but it's lovely in DC. Yeah. And I'm all the way out here in California and we're still working on, you know, getting a hold of fires. So, you know, yeah. burning out in the West. Um, yeah. but Washington wa- State up here, we got the same thing going on. Oh, are you, you're PST too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, right on. Okay. I don't know why I thought you were on the East Coast for the, for a little bit, but okay. Probably cool. because I'm really jet lagged and I think I'm really still on the East Coast. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, while you were on the steps of the Hart Building, you donned an expression of um, something that's very near and dear to you. You want to tell us yes. about that? I wore my Starfleet uniform. Um, and I did that because I, first of all, Star Trek is part of why I do what I do. Like it, Star Trek is where I got my moral compass from. It's like I came to understand the world that I want to live in through the lens of what I saw and what I continue to see on that screen. And so bringing my, my trekkiness into that space was about one, like, you know, pledging that this is where this comes from, you know, but there were a lot of faith leaders there in, you know, their various garments and garb. And like, I think if, if it's a place I got my moral compass from, then maybe I should be showing up and sharing that. Um, and I also wanted Trekkies to see it. I wanted Trekkies all across this country to see it and and think about like, what are you gonna do for voting rights? How are you gonna stand up in these next few days that we have to get this done um, before the end of the, before the August recess, before the end of the session? Um, and so I, it was sort of a dual purpose for me. It was, you know, it's not, it's not a religion. Star Trek's not a religion, but it is absolutely, I think a moral philosophy. So tell me a little bit more about that, right? Like you're drawing your moral philosophy from Star Trek. I do mm-hmm. the same, right? There's mm-hmm. many of my values which I trace directly to Star Trek. Some quote of Picard's is exactly how I feel about something now as an adult, mm-hmm. right? Tell me more about how your feelings towards voting rights in particular uh, come out of Star Trek. Because I don't really think that there's much voting that we see go on on the ships, even though they it's are true. military it's ships, not, essentially. I mean, we see, we do, the, the Federation does have a president, that president is ostensibly elected. So we know at least that there is some flavor of democracy operating um, and that Starfleet reports to that president. And so there is civilian control of the military. Those things are pretty foundational. Much beyond that, you're correct. We don't see a ton of that. Um, but what we do see, so I wanna, I'm gonna show you my tattoo and I promise this is relevant. So I've got a little, little Federation insignia here in my nebula colors. And it's three lines for a reason. Renzo, I'm guessing that the quote you're talking about is the one from the first duty the 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 first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth. Be that yeah 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 that's scientific one of them. yeah scientific truth historical truth and personal truth three lines three oh I truths. love that. that's, that's fantastic so, great yeah so I take uh, sometimes when I like need a little reminder of that I have this really like nice smelling essential oil and I like dab it onto the thing and I like say that to myself and it like centers me <laughs> um, but uh, so that's one piece of it right is that elections are about discerning the truth of a group of people's uh, desire for the people and policies that will you know, take them into some period in the future. 
And we want a full and truthful representation of the will of the people. That is what Trek the Vote for Fair Elections is about. Um, and that's how I feel um, about you know electoral politics. The other piece of it is um, Star Trek is a show about people who work together not despite differences, but because of them. They embrace their diversity. Uh, they listen to each other. Like one of the things that I love is, you know, someone will kind of, they'll have like a telepathic experience or some alien will like beam themselves into their brain or whatever. And they'll go, Captain, I'm a little disoriented. I think I should go to sick bay. And then later on, they talk about this thing that they saw that no one else saw and they take it seriously. And they like get the scanners going and they don't, they don't, gaslight each other they don't treat each other like they're crazy like this is a world where people really are listening to each other and working together and i don't think we get to a world like that without everyone having a voice yeah you're talking exactly what i love most about star trek the idea of idic right the infinite diversity and infinite combinations and embracing yeah. it right it's mm -hmm. not yeah. just enough for us to tolerate being around diversity it's you have to seek it out you have to yeah. want it because it benefits yeah. you too Right. Yeah. That's the tattoo I want to get. I haven't gotten it yet, but I've already got plans for it too. So. Is it in the Vulcan lettering that goes down? Uh, no, I'll, I'll show you later, but it's essentially okay, Starfleet Delta with the Idic symbol built around it and oh, like a yes. moon rise in the middle of the Delta. Oh, that's beautiful. That's I'll show you gorgeous. later. Yeah, yeah, please do. I would love to see that. So that um, touches on like my favorite quote, which is a quote by Roddenberry himself. I'm going to mm -hmm. try and paraphrase it here, but it's if we cannot learn to actually enjoy those small differences, to take a positive delight in those small differences between our own kind here on this planet, then we do not deserve to go out there into space and meet the diversity that is almost certainly out there. Mm -hmm. And there's such, um, there's such a powerful difference between, you know, asking people we need to tolerate each other's differences versus we need to take a, a delight in those differences. Yeah. Anything can be tolerated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But taking that special delight to actually seek out new things and, mm -hmm. and enjoy them. Mm -hmm. um, that is a, that's an effort. Yeah. And that's part of the utopian something. message of it, right? The utopian mm -hmm. message of Star Trek as a whole is things are better in the future because people become better because people work to become better. Right. So if you work to become better, the future will be better. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that something like Trek the Voter these sorts of organizations do for us they, they push us towards being better exactly right. exactly and and towards making sure that everyone has the power to play a role in that process of bettering our society that nobody gets left out because idic to get back to your point idic means everybody in and nobody out uh that's the john billingsley quote we interviewed John Billingsley back in December and oh, uh, Renzo, Amazing, Renzo asked him, he's like, what do you think about Star Trek being too woke? And John was like, for, you know, paraphrase, <laughs> it's, not, it's not, but, uh, but he was like, you know, the, the meaning of Star Trek is everybody on the fucking ship, as long as you're nice. And I yeah. was like, that's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah. As long <laughs> um, as, as long as you're respectful of other people. Absolutely. And actually the opening to this episode will have that quote because it's mm -hmm. our, it's our, opening thing intro thing yeah um it's very interesting i do want to call back to um an interaction that we had offline just a couple of hours ago mm -hmm. um and you're emphasizing so strongly here everyone everyone mm -hmm. everyone mm -hmm. and when i was putting this together i was sort of coming at it like oh this is gonna be political and you just like you snapped me to it um do you do you want to say what you what you said to me then 
Yeah, well, and but here's the thing. Voting rights aren't political. This isn't, it's not, it shouldn't be politicized. Right. Like that we yes. shouldn't politicize facts and we shouldn't politicize the basic processes that are required for a functioning democracy, right? Uh, the vaccine is safe and masks help prevent the spread of COVID. Facts should not be politicized. Um, and in the same way, every citizen who is of age should be able to vote is not a political statement. Right. And furthermore, that voting should be accessible to everyone and that we should make an effort to make voting accessible to everyone and focus on those people that may not be able to vote if we don't make that outreach, if we don't seek out that diversity, right? Then we aren't having a functional democracy. We're having some, some you know, pale facsimile of it. Um, but if we really want a real functioning democracy, then we have to make sure that everybody gets to make their voice heard. Yeah. And that includes people that I really, really, really disagree with and people that I really agree with and everyone in between. Yep. Yeah, and, and the legislation itself isn't all that radical, right? Like, it's not like yeah. it's it's forcing everybody to vote. We don't have a mandatory vote like they do mm -hmm. in Australia. It's not coming up with what they do in India, where they have a polls that come to voters. Nothing like mm -hmm. that either. It's nope. it's actually pretty middle of the road, and it's gotten some bipartisan support over the last few years as well. Every part yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. and it's. I mean, it 67% of the country likes the legislation. 21% of the country opposes it. Like those numbers really speak for themselves. This is very, this is popular legislation across a wide variety of political viewpoints. Yeah. Um, and I just want to call out, if yeah. you're if you're listening to this on Spotify, we are going to have these links posted on the YouTube channel. You're going to be able to see direct links to where we're getting these numbers from. We're not just pulling them out of our butts. Um, these are real numbers. 67% of this country has been polled and they are in support of this legislation. And and just so we're clear, the legislation is called the For the People Act, and it is currently before the Senate. And so our our battle at the moment is in the United States Senate. And the so, goal is to have them make a decision by when? The goal is to get this legislation on President Biden's desk before the August recess, which is scheduled to begin on the 9th. So by the 8th of August, we need to have a bill on President Biden's desk that provides for uh, a, you know, free and fair elections that resets the board. And part of this is really important is the Voting Rights Act, the legislation that was, you know, that Martin Luther King fought for, that so many people fought for, that so many people lost their lives over, is gone. Two Supreme Court decisions in the last 10 years have absolutely gutted that central legislation. And in the aftermath of that, many states are instituting laws that roll back people's access to the vote. And so this legislation, the For the People Act, corrects for all of that. And we must have it in place before the August recess because states are going to begin drawing up new districts based on the census in the, you know, after starting in August. And so if we don't get this legislation through now, it's not going to fully impact the next set of elections that we have. And so it's really important that we do this very soon. So tell me a little bit more about that. Why does drawing the districts matter so much in this situation? Like what, what kind of effect does drawing districts have on the actual like workings of democracy? Um, okay, so I'm just gonna do a really overly simplistic example. Uh, let's say this is your, you know, this is your state, you've got a box, right? And you have 
you know, a very large black population that lives right in the center of that box. Um, and so what happens sometimes uh, is that uh, state legislatures that are have a vested interest in preventing black people from voting and from having representation is they'll, you know, let's say they get three congressional districts in the state um, and they'll, you know, so they'll divide it up so that that block popu that black population is divided into three chunks. And they're, you know, so they, they are a minority in every single one of those districts. Especially, but if they had their own district, if they had a district that reflected the boundaries of that community, then they would have a representation from their community. And so that is the shape of a district determines who is the majority in that district and then who, who that majority then elects to be their representative in the House. Yeah, because yeah, that's, 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 that's a great yeah. example of cracking districts for sure. Yeah, yeah, they're not just squares or grids overlaid on a on a population. They can have some really wonky, you know, crescent mm -hmm. shapes. Just you know, let's take yeah. this sliver of people in this really weird shape, and we're going to make that the voting block. And well, and that's why they call it gerrymandering. Yeah. Well, this is go ahead. That's why they call it gerrymandering. Is because at one point, some district somewhere that got you know just all hinky like that looked like a salamander. And someone said, and I think the guy, the, the person that they were trying to elect or the person who was in charge of it was named Jerry. And so they called the gerrymander and it stuck. Sorry, Renzo, didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you're good. You're the guest here. So I should shut up for you. But <laughs> no, the, the other thing that I think is really important here is remembering that it's not just one party that does gerrymandering, right? Like the gerrymandering of Maryland, which has been done by mm -hmm. one party is brutal. Like there is a one district that looks like a murder victim like it looks like a body that splattered essentially from a window fall or something it's ridiculous yeah. minnesota is pretty bad pennsylvania is ridiculously bad like it's all over we should get rid of it across the board and that's yeah. why legislation like the for the people act is really good uh because it pushes that that duty to the states yeah it's wrong when it's wrong when republicans do it it's wrong when democrats do it it's wrong in any future party that might do it it was always wrong to uh, to play these sort of procedural games and these sort of, you know, with, with, with people's voting rights. That's just, it's just morally wrong. So yeah, we've mentioned because the power of voters is generally bad. So, mm -hmm. oh yeah. So in talking about strengthening the power of, of voters, we've mentioned the, for the people act, do we mm -hmm. want to talk about what's in it and who's directly affected by its passage? Yes, absolutely. Um, and the answer to that, who's directly affected is everybody, the whole country. Um, and, and it's sort of like, and you get voting rights and you get voting rights and you get voting rights. Um, and it, and it's very broad, but it, I mean, it's a very sensible to your point, Renzo, it's a very sensible, very middle of the road package. There's nothing tremendously radical in here. Um, you did say, you know, they're not going to like have mobile voting booths that come to you. The only exception to that is they are looking at some pilot programs. To bring, uh, to bring voting booths to disabled people who have a very difficult time leaving their homes, that that would be something that they would also, they're also looking at, you know, uh, a lot easier access to vote by mail so that, you know, people who couldn't leave their house for whatever reason would have the opportunity to, to vote more easily. Um, by comparison, so, right? Like yeah. India, in India, if you're a voter, there must mm -hmm. be a polling place within two miles of you. Yeah, you you can't travel. You can't be forced to travel more than two miles. Doesn't so, India have like one point three yeah. billion people? They're the world's largest democracy, and they're a large country geographically too, with things up in the mountains. Right. Like they have people who travel just to provide a polling place as close to somebody's house as they have to. They go to little villages and set up a polling place, and then set it up for a day. People vote, and then they pack it up and send it home, or send yep. the the poll worker home. We're not even pushing for anything that drastic. It's just 
access. Mm-hmm. So, well, so for example, in the For the People Act, uh, they require it requires I think it's at least fifteen days of early voting. You know, so that standardizes the minimum length of early voting in a state. And those early voting locations have to be in rural areas. They have to have ones in rural areas and they have to have ones that are proximate to mass transit. So it's easy for people who don't have a car to access it. Um, and so those are, you know, they, they are, they're kind of doing some things that are in that spirit, but certainly not to that degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the thing that I really like the best is that it standardizes same day voter registration. So like, you know, last minute you're like, this is really important and I'm only just paying attention. You can do your, you can do your homework, you can do your research, you can show up at the polls register and vote that day. Um, That's really awesome because like you could have somebody who's been tuned out and they really shouldn't be punished for being tuned out when they maybe spent the last seven days really getting involved and really getting to know and Mm -hmm. now I need to register. And they want to have that say and they don't want to wait two years and they don't want to wait four years. Um, That's, that's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing really, how much really harder important. it's been getting to vote too, right? Okay, like mm-hmm. I'm a Floridian originally. So when I was in high school in junior year, somebody came around to every single classroom was like, hey, do you want to register to vote? They took down names, you pre-registered before you could, and they just sent in all the applications for us. That's yeah. no longer legal in Florida. You can't yeah. register early before you're 18 and you can't have mass voting initiatives that way either now, right? Exactly. Like, and and all of those are, all of that is voter suppression it tactic. It's a voter, yeah. suppress- it is intended, it is intended to make it harder for people to vote. That is the absolute express intention of every single one of those those rules. And the For the People Act corrects for them. The For the People Act basically says, no, this is federal law, it supersedes what your state has done. And this is what your state has done is now illegal. And we are going to re-standardize access to voting rights. Um, there's There are a couple of, of pieces in here. So like you said, you're a Floridian uh, originally. Yes. When you moved to, you said, you mentioned you're in the DMV. Are you in Maryland? I'm in Virginia. You're in Virginia. Okay. So yeah. when you moved to Virginia, did you like go back to Florida and say, I'm, I'm moving, take me off the voter rolls? I don't believe so. No. Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody does that. Um, because the last thing you want to think about when you're moving out of state is, is my voter registration in two places? Yeah. So there's this, there's this practice called cross check where uh, states will run their voter rolls against another state's voter rolls. And if someone's registered in two states, they'll drop them from both states' voter rolls. And so people will turn up at the polls on election day and they're like, I'm sorry, you're not registered. And that's a voter suppression tactic. And nobody knows why or how, and you don't get notified, hey, you're not a voter anymore, you need to re-register. So here's a really dumb question. Why would any leaders of any state just be like, want to suppress votes? You'd think it would make sense that like, if I'm running for office, I would want as many people who appeal, who my message appeals to, to be able to support me by using Mm -hmm. their voice to cast that vote. So what do I get out of stopping some people from voting? Well, there are no dumb questions. And it's, um, I mean, I, I think there are, there are some people in politics who are afraid that they can't succeed on their ideas alone. And when you can't succeed on your ideas alone and you're not prepared to lose, you cheat. And that's what this is, plain and simple. It's cheating. It's 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 people who know that their ideas are not popular enough to succeed if everyone votes. So they'll try to choose it's 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 a what what is it? Leaders choosing their voters instead of voters choosing their leaders. 
And that's wow. how we end up in a, in a situation that's not a democracy anymore. Um, so the other thing, the other piece of that puzzle is it also there's so there's there's cross check and then there's something called caging. So in many states, I can you know show up at the polls, see someone and say, I don't think that person's actually a legitimate voter for whatever reason. And I can throw that person's ability to vote into a lot of chaos and the chaos and the flavor of chaos and the duration of chaos varies by state. But it, you know, it is a it is basically a tool for white supremacists to show up at the polls, see someone brown and go, that person's not a real voter. Um, so in what the, the the this legislation does is it says if you are if you are just an ordinary Joe, if you're not someone who's actually, a, you know, an election employee or official, you're just an ordinary person and you see something going on that you think isn't right you have to make like an, an oath of good faith factual basis under penalty of perjury to make that claim so it raises the stakes for people uh who might want to you know engage in that kind of behavior you can't just get um, off scot-free for kicking somebody exactly. out of the line exactly yeah you could you could go you could go to jail if you do it for the wrong reasons um let's see i mean there's you know there's we talked about enabling disabled people to vote more easily uh, it prohibits disinformation campaigns. It prohibits. What is what so, is a disinformation yeah. campaign being prohibited? Being like, does that mean like you're, you're stifling First Amendment rights or something? Like, what is well, it? Well, so uh, let's say I um, I go around a predominantly black neighborhood and I put up flyers that say, you know, election day is November seventh, not the third or the second or whatever. You know that that, that Tuesday is like. Mm -hmm it's it's actually you know this other day or your polling places at a different location that's that is legal to do in a lot of places right now to lie to voters about when where and how to vote you can vote by text message there were a lot of those in the last election in the, in the 2016 election yeah. cycle of like uh, a lot of ads going around in spanish telling people that they could you know they could vote by text um so those kinds of disinformation campaigns would be illegal is um, another version of that like a fake ballot drop or claiming mm -hmm. something is a fake ballot drop when yep. it's not? Yep. Anything intended to mislead voters in order to suppress the vote is illegal under this law. Um, false advertising, would that fit under the law as well? How about what? False advertisements, like a, a commercial that says that voting for this person will kill these people or something. Uh you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, like if if uh, can you give me an example of of when that's actually happened? I can't. Okay. But I, I can imagine that there could be like, say, a campaign I mean, towards, say, Native Americans being like, voting mm -hmm. for candidate A will cut your food stamps or some some assistance program, right? Whether it's true or not, right? To just uh, yes. voting. No, this is not, uh, this isn't about, there are rules that prevent, you know, people from making, you know, from lying on their face about other candidates, that kind of thing. But this is specific to the processes of voting. This is okay. about not, you know, not misinforming people about where, when, how to vote. Right. So whether or um, not they've been misinformed by all that mudslinging that's happening yeah. on commercials, <laughs> they can they can be assured that whichever candidate they decide to vote for, whatever statutes or um, other laws that they decide to vote for at any is it any level or is it just federal? Uh, this is standard is mo mostly for federal elections, okay. but it's going to have some trickle down because the processes are going to be in place. Right. So so the, you people be able to rest assured that they can get to that ballot box. It will be where 
it has been advertised to be and yes. the people there will be legit uh, representatives for that election moment event right exactly that's exactly. way cool yeah that's, um, that's that's actually really strong right like the idea of it's not about preventing politicians from lying because that's basically impossible it's not about preventing political campaigns from lying but it's preventing them about lying about voting and that's mm -hmm. a nice distinction to make too it's uh so another thing that it does is it requires voter verified paper ballots so we're getting away from all of this mishigas about voting machines and can they be hacked and you know all of it this is a you know um this is very much a you know concrete it's here on paper we see how you voted you see how you voted and it's able you know you're able to uh to cast that vote and know that there isn't any software that's getting in the way um which is interesting you know i'm sitting here in a starfleet you know uh vest saying you know let's let's do something low tech but sometimes low tech is the right answer well um, if we're gonna if we're gonna bring star trek into it if if when the world is ready for a group of um diversely celebrating people to trust in the electronic systems to um, celebrate that somebody may not agree with them philosophically mm -hmm. and may vote a different way and still elect to preserve the, the process of trust in mm -hmm. voting. That's when we'll be ready for those e-machines. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Probably I, that it's hard for me to imagine that happening, happening in my lifetime, but you never know. Maybe so, people will grow up. As somebody who works in technology, right, there's definitely technologies that exist that can enable this to work, right? They're trialing mm -hmm. some of them in Europe. I think Latvia was doing an all online voting thing recently, and it worked out mm -hmm. just fine. Um, small scale testing, right? Yeah. For yeah. America, though, because the the way our elections are stru structured, like it's handled at the local level, it's going to be so mm -hmm. hard to, to nationalize anything like that without mm -hmm. seriously rewriting the Constitution, I think. Like it's, yeah. it's not a lift. That being well, said, if we can figure out a way to like cash checks with our cell phones. There has to be steps that we can take to be able to vote the same way. I, yeah. And I think, I think that those steps are coming, but it needs to happen in a very, uh, very measured and frankly, very conservative way. I think Agreed. we have to really, you know, we really have to roll it out thoughtfully and we can't be rolling it out thoughtfully if we're in the process of fighting off threats to the right to vote from left, right, and center. So for now, I think just going back to that hard artifact is, is right. Um, Absolutely. Another thing that I love is that it restores voting rights for formerly incarcerated people because, and frankly, who better to tell us what is and is not working about our correction system than the people who've been through it. Right. And Did Florida try to do something like this. Tell me about that. Cause I'm sure yeah, you want to talk about it. Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to blank on the name of the legislation, but there was a ballot initiative during the, I think it was during the midterm where they, you know, they, they granted voting rights back to, you know, several million predominantly black Floridians. And then there was a lot of, you know, there was a, they basically instituted a poll tax. They said, well, okay, fine. You can vote, but only if you've paid off all your restitution. And, you know, for people who are formerly incarcerated, getting a job is hard enough, um, you know, being able to pay off your restitution. So it's, it's a poll tax, essentially. Anytime that you're saying you have to be able to pay money for something in order to vote, you're instituting a poll tax. Yeah, and the fact and, that it was a ballot initiative and then the state legislature decided, oh, well, we're just going to, you know, gut the the spirit of the legislation or the spirit of the idea and mm -hmm. implement poll taxing was pretty blatant and pretty bad. Yeah, absolutely egregious. 
There's also um, something to be said about like, like anytime, anywhere, any one of us could be suspected of something and end up in that system through no fault of our own. It happens. Yeah. We know about people who spend days, weeks, months, years in the system awaiting trial. They're mm -hmm. innocent. And, mm -hmm. and so we never know when we might end up in that system. And gee, wouldn't it be great if I ended up in that system by accident that I voted for the people in that system to be able to have their rights respected and observed to make right. it easier for somebody who's wrongly accused to get out of that system. And so that we don't have these crazy outlandish penalties for what I would say like lesser crimes like marijuana yeah. possession or something like that. Cause every day you see people arguing over, well, this person did this and this person did this, this person's in jail for 20 years and this person got off with bail. Like mm -hmm. that's not cool. And how much and, justice can you afford? Right. So yeah. not only am I thinking forward, like if I end up in the system, I want to have been proactive and to have that legislation support, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But at mm -hmm. the same time, for people who are coming out of that system, who, who, who may very well have committed that crime and, and they have paid their debt to society. Isn't that the social agreement? Social exactly. Yep. That, that's the social exactly. contract. And we, we all, nobody knows we've signed it, but we live in a society and mm -hmm. we say, we say that we trust that the people who are elected to make these decisions make the right decision in favor of us. Mm -hmm. And that, that last part there in favor of us, it's kind of been taken away in a lot of ways. Exactly. So and you know, I just, and I want to flag, like, I don't care what you did. You, once you have come out of that system, you are, a, a, you're just another person and your voting rights should be respected. I don't think that there's, you know, any, it, it people have the right to change people have the right to grow people have the right to develop and what you you know some terrible thing you did when you were 21 should not impact your ability to vote when you're 63. and you know that's uh because we're we, none of us is defined by the worst thing we've ever done right um and we often live in a world where the worst thing we've ever done becomes the only thing we've ever done and we are thus socially exempt from any kind of forgiveness or latitude to grow and that's... especially if you happen to be poor or black or disabled those are those are three things that end up you know just slapping people down for life so um, oh, yeah. anything like, that we can do to they got arrested and, and and they're in jail for 30 years but you know what like mm -hmm. that one time they stole a milk carton yeah that's that's yep. justification right there mm -hmm. Or they let that's their kids the go to the park problem. by themselves, right? Dude, didn't they we do that work. in the 80s? Oh, like, yeah. Your parents would drop you off at the park and they'd come get you like 10 hours later. Yep, yep. And, and you've got like a tribe of kids who've all been there. And it's like, no, mom, you can't take me. This is my family now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that was not my family story. I was kept under lock and key. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there were... There were uh, a lot of kids that grew up that way and now these days it's like you're a neglectful parent and especially again it gets it gets leveled against black women black work women working in long hours and fast food you know that that end up you know sending their kids to the park or having their kids sit at the library and do their homework and they end up being you know uh, arrested for child neglect it's just egregious there so we're getting a little off track here ones but too, though 
just a just one more example just a truly heinous one i thought there was a person in texas a woman in texas she tried to vote in 2016 mm-hmm. uh, her name is crystal mason i looked it up yes just i know her. the story and two picks sorry puppy anyways uh, okay. crystal i need crystal, to see this puppy afterwards oh uh, for sure uh, Crystal Mason tried to vote. She had been let out of jail. She had finished paying off her time. She tries mm-hmm. to vote in the 2016 election, and she's not eligible to vote. So she committed a crime by attempting to vote, and they put her back in jail for the crime of attempting to vote when she didn't know yeah. she was eligible to vote in the first place. Right. Yeah, that's uh, case in point, right? And all of these all of these laws and all of these hoops that we make people jump through in order to to vote are... Uh, and, and just in order to live generally, just in aggregate, like if you, you see people sleeping in tents on the sidewalk, that's how they got there. The, 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 the little, like the, just the sucking web of systemic things that just pull people down. That's how they got there. And if you don't want people sleeping on the sidewalk anymore, then we have to get rid of all that. And the way to do that is to make sure that everybody can elect people to office and vote for policies that are going to change things for them and their communities. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, there's there's a lot more in the legislation than just what we've talked. I mean, we could we could sit here for three hours yeah. and go through every provision of the bill. It is it's a brilliant piece of legislation. It was it was informed deeply by John Lewis. Um, you know, may he may he rest in peace. May his memory be a blessing. Um, and you know, we we have now this opportunity, this very narrow opportunity to make it law. And we all have to just, you know, nose to the grindstone for the next, you know, several days to get this done. So tell us about that. How do you want people to, how do you want Trekkies that hear this, that feel the same way you do about the importance of voting rights? What do you want us to do? Like, what is your call to action here? So the call to action is, is pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Um, one, uh so first of all get out your phone and go to you know get a text message and put in the recipient line 50409 that's 50409 and then text the word resist to that number and that's going to get you in the system of a wonderful little android precursor called the resist bot you know, I like to say that while Mr. Data is not yet among us, the resist bot is fully functional and operating within expected parameters or established parameters. That's what Data likes to say, right? So, uh, and you and the resist bot will you give you answer a few questions, and it basically says, "Okay, here's your senator, here's your member of Congress. What do you want to say to them?" And anytime that you want to message them, you just type, you just text resist to that number. And the resist bot will say, who do you want to talk to today? You send your message, you click send, and it's gone. And you don't have to think about it. You have just messaged your senator. So I love the resist bot. So what we want to do is message your senators using the resist bot or any other you know form that you want to. You can call them. You can go to their website. But the resist bot's really accessible. And you tell them three things. One, eliminate the filibuster. We can talk about the filibuster in a minute. Pass all provisions of the For the People Act. And no August recess, no going home to your state, no vacation, no summer playtime with anybody until you get this legislation on the president's desk. Those are the three things that we are telling them to do. And this is especially important for anybody who lives in the states of West Virginia or Arizona, because those are the two senators, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are the two senators 
that are holding this whole process up because they want some uh, concessions. They, they have they, well, they have they yeah it's they have this. It's so sad. It is so sad. We this country needs two functioning political parties, and at the moment, we don't have that. Um, and uh, because you know, and, and again, I'm I'm not here to make partisan statements. This will be just as wrong if it was the Democrats, right? It's just that the Republicans in this case happen to be interested in minority rule, and uh, the Democrats are compromising with them for the sake of this sort of optics of bipartisanship when there is no good faith negotiating going on from the other side. You can only be bipartisan and an initiative can only be bipartisan if both parties are operating in good faith and that's not happening. So the rules have to be changed to reflect the fact that there's no good faith, uh, you know, negotiating going on here and uh, mansion and cinema are holding this whole process up. So their constituents need to be on them. Uh, you know, just, every day all day until they cave on this what's your take on the uh, mansion compromise that he offered up a couple weeks ago oh well I know, I mean, tough question it's better than it's, nothing it's, well, but it's it well but it's, um here's the thing it just it doesn't have it just like the uh current bill as it stands today the bill that we want it does not stand a snowflake's chance in hell of getting Mitch McConnell's approval True. because Mitch McConnell, very unfortunately, has has bought into this minority rule scenario. And so he is going to advance that agenda at all costs. Um, so we shouldn't be we shouldn't be. It's like saying, I don't know. It's like saying, well, I want a whole sandwich and someone's saying, no, you can't have a whole sandwich. Well, will you give me 70 percent of a sandwich? No. Well, then what did I gain by demanding a 70% of the sandwich? We want 100% of the fucking sandwich. Pardon and, my language. And that we person's do. like, well, you know what? If you give me a sandwich, I'll be <laughs> No, if you give these three lobbyists over here a sandwich, and then next Christmas, behind closed doors, <laughs> we'll hand off the wrapper of the sandwich. I mean, this is this is the level of machinations ah, these people go into. Ah, it's ridiculous. It's really it's gross. It's the chicanery of DC, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's the, the magic behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. I was. It's interesting. I was so I was just there, obviously, because I was arrested on Monday in my Starfleet uniform. Um, but I was waiting the following day to pay my pay my bail because you go down to the to the Capitol Police Station to pay your bail the, the day after you're arrested. And uh, I saw I saw Mansion from a block and a half away, and I was like, I could run over there and try to bird dog him right now, but then I would get out of line, and it's 95 degrees, so maybe I'm not going to do that. But I saw him go into a restaurant. And then a few minutes later, I walked down there after I had kind of done my done the little procedural thing I needed to do. And I walked down there and I was kind of poking around and I went in and I was like, I talked to the manager and I was like, hey, I think I left my credit card here. I was here last <laughs> night. Can I, can I just talk to the bartender for a second? He was like, yeah, go ahead. You know, so I'm talking to the bartender and there's no credit card, of course, because I wasn't there last night. But right. I had the chance to kind of scout out. So as I was leaving three guys come in and they're all wearing lobbyist ties. You can see the lobbyists from a mile away. There's just the, tie. they have the very specific ties. Um, you know, it's like pornography. I know it when I see it. I know that guy's a lobbyist. <laughs> and that's the worst kind of porn. I know. Right. Um, yeah. Let's, let's nope. Let's just take this apart again. Um, but yeah, they, so, he, you know, it's like, okay, mansions, mansions up there meeting with some people from, I'm, I, I heard someone mention the grain something. So I was guessing like it's a farming lobby of some kind. And it's like, ugh, 
ongoing that these, you know, Manchin is not accessible to his constituents. I was I was at a protest in D.C. a couple of weeks ago um, where Reverend Dr. Barber and a bunch of West Virginians went up to the door of the Hart building and said, let us in. We want to talk to, you know, we want to talk to our senator. And they didn't they weren't given access. They're, his own constituents can't get access to him, but a bunch of lobbyists can. That's another thing that we need to fix. And we need to fix it by making sure everyone can vote. Right, because um, if, if we can't get everybody on board with the voting part of things, then there's no way we're going to be able to get those people who now can't vote to have yeah. their voices heard to stop this undue influence on their representatives. Because when you vote for a representative, you're thinking, this is the person that I want to represent me. And mm -hmm. 90% of that person's time is spent listening to people who are richer than you, mm -hmm. smarter than you, mm -hmm. more conniving than you, mm -hmm. more powerful than you. Who have all the time in the world to fuck everything up. Right. And if they, and, it, and if you get your way on one bill, they're going to come right back next year with a, let's flip that on its head and do the exact opposite thing. So it requires a, a bit of constant vigilance mm -hmm. to make sure that your rights are protected which is what Jean-Luc Picard talked about after the drumhead, right? Right. With Nor we constant vigilance is the price we pay for freedom. Um, you know that 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 classic episode where you know Nora Satie was seeing uh, seeing Romulan spies behind every bulkhead and in every turbo lift. It was such a good allegory for like the Red Scare too. It was great. Yeah. That's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, me too. Me so, too. are there any and other like major parts of legislation that? Trek the Vote is pushing for in addition to just the For the People Act? Like, are you pushing for a repeal of the Reapportionment Act of 1929 or anything like that? I mean, at, at this point, so let's be clear. Trek the Vote for Fair Elections is a small volunteer-run organization. Um, so at this point, uh, you know, our, our push is the For the People Act. This is what we want. We want the For the People Act. We want to get rid of the filibuster. We want the For the People Act. We want it right now. And we want the senators to do their job before they go home for the August recess. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to say, too, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, it's a lost cause. Forget it. It's impossible. Here's another Jean-Luc Picard quote for you. Things are only impossible until they are not. He said that to Mr. Data. It was relatively early on because Tasha Yar was still uh, there at that point. Um, and they were he was trying to get some some shield down to get people out. And Data said, well, that would be impossible, sir. And his response is things are only impossible until they are not. That was the things are when only, the bow yeah. breaks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, things are only impossible until they are not. So we have we can we can actually, uh, you know, do this. Um, but, you know, at, insofar as, you know, are there other things we're going to be pushing for? We're working with, uh, you know, a handful of state level organizations that are fighting gerrymandering to like route volunteers that were already. So what we did during the last election cycle, for those of you who aren't aware, is we partnered with a number of different uh, national orgs and several regional orgs uh, that were doing, you know, that needed volunteers for everything from poll watching to actually becoming professional poll workers to doing nonpartisan voter outreach, you know, staffing Know Your Rights hotlines, monitoring for voter suppression, monitoring for disinformation on social media. Like there was a wide variety of things that people could do. And so we had people signing up and then getting an assignment, getting their, you know, Starfleet mission to defend democracy. Um, and so, you know, we have this database now of people who are invested in this, who love Star Trek. And so we're, we're pointing them at, you know, things happening in their states that are, you know, relevant to preventing gerrymandering, to preventing voter suppression. But on a national level right now, what we need everybody to do is call their senators and tell them to pass this bill.
And is that in addition to the resist bot? That is the, so resist bot is the, the means by which you can easily contact your senators. Okay. The resist bot is a really nice tool. And I find it helpful when I'm talking to people who may not necessarily like have their senator on speed dial like I do um, to, you know, to just be able to very quickly connect with you're laughing at me. Today. No, 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 no. I'm not I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because during the 2016 election cycle, I had an auto dialer in Diane Feinstein's office mm -hmm. and like every 20 minutes I would be like, "Hi, it's me again." Orale, nicely done. No, like the people it. from my two senators, Kane and, and them, they already know me. They they answer my calls. I I get a, mm -hmm. my message, I leave my voicemail, whatever. I, I've harassed my senators enough at this point. Yeah, yeah. No, there's lucky, there's no such thing. There's no such place. thing as harassing your senators enough. I oh, mean, really and truly, like these I mean, people need. They are the most powerful human beings on the planet, and they they have uh, as the price of that power, they are accountable to the people that they work for. Right. Every and that's exactly the mindset. Every time I fly out of Dallas, I'm just hoping, I'm hoping this is the flight where I'm sitting next to somebody who matters because I'm going to evangelize, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but a buddy of mine has actually sat next to, um, I, I won't say the name of the senator, but a senator from Kentucky multiple times and has just been like chill and not said a word to him. Yeah, I, I no. will give back. No, literally I, do not let that person off the plane until you I have had every word. <laughs> Uh, I once chased Lindsey Graham up a down escalator at DCA. Um, I saw the video. That was fun. That was extra special. He went on Fox News and said I was a, a nasty, deranged, mean woman. And literally, the worst thing I said to him is, please don't kill me. I would like to not die. I would love to have the honor of having a senator call me a crazy, deranged person just for trying to advocate. <laughs> I just, that I want a t-shirt. I want a t-shirt yeah. that says nasty, deranged woman. And I would the wear it. Way, the same way Elizabeth Warren turned the like, and nevertheless, she persisted. Right. Mm -hmm. Like her brand. That's yeah. a good way to get a brand out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should put that on a t-shirt and sell it on my website. There you go. Um, that would be, yeah, we could, we could do that. Nasty, deranged woman. Okay. Mean, nasty, deranged woman. I was mean. It was very important. I was being <sighs> mean to the poor, poor oh. little senator. Um, the senator the who doesn't care about anybody's feelings, right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so they something that I've been accused of looking like has this line about like facts don't care about your feelings, right? Mm -hmm. So every now and then we need to use that against them, right? The yeah. fact is democracy requires voters. And if we start impinging upon voters' rights to vote, then we don't have a democracy. Exactly. So, 100%. We need to apply um, that back to them. We should talk about the filibuster. We haven't really talked about yeah. the filibuster yet. It's um, such a funny sounding word. Tell us all about really it. It really is. It's, I, this is, it's, you know, um, have you ever like heard British people who've been to Oxford or Cambridge talk about like, you know, the game that they played there that was like, you know, squillabricks or something like they come up with these crazy names for things. The filibuster is kind of like that. It's like, you know, it's very rarefied little game that they play in the Senate. And the game is this, if we don't have a supermajority, if I don't have, you know, a majority plus, I think it's 13, then I can't get anything passed. If the other side of the minority decides to invoke the filibuster, and the filibuster basically prevents, a, it's a vote called cloture, and it 
gets you to a process where you can actually begin debate on a bill. And so in the past, in the, in the good old days of segregation, as some of these assholes probably say behind closed doors, um, they, they would actually have to go onto the floor and read the phone book, read from the dictionary. They'd have to talk all night long, every night, like to hold the space. Now they don't even have to do that. Now they can just say, no, nah, we don't feel like voting on that. And it's dead. Wait, so the filibuster is not anymore like Mr. Smith goes to Washington? They, no. they just They just say and it's filibustered automatically? We're, yeah, we're just, you're going to say, How's oh, you want to you want to vote on this essential piece of legislation? I filibuster. And then it's done. I mean, when you're making, you know, when you're making minimum wage every second, it's it's easier to just be like, I want to save this time for my other yeah. things. Mm -hmm. Tell me, Tay, isn't the filibuster in the Constitution? How could we possibly change nope. the Constitution to get it's rid of it? It's not in the, it's not, it is a procedural trick. It is not in the Constitution. It was not the framers. I don't. I won't pretend to know what they would think of it, but they certainly didn't come up with it. Um, and so, how so, do we go about changing it then, if it's not in the Constitution? It's a rules change. It's a very simple rules change, and all that takes is the majority of the Senate to change the rules. Unfortunately, and this comes back to West Virginia Arizona, and Arizona, and Virginia, right? Right. Uh, Senator Manchin and Senator Cinema are the holdouts there. Now, there's lots of people who say we should create a carve out in the filibuster just for the For the People Act. If that's what it takes to get it passed, uh, I don't know how I feel about that because it's also holding up, you know, all kinds of other important legislation. Like we just needs to, we can't have minority rule. It needs to be gone. Um, but it, you know, so for the whether it's for the purposes of this bill or any other, uh, we have to get rid of it. Okay. And all that needs, all that that takes is is all of is a majority of the senators to do so. And at the moment, Manchin and Cinema are the ones who are holding the process up. Well, Tay, since you mentioned Oxford or Cambridge or whatever, do any other countries have a rule like the filibuster that allows the minority to completely stop all progress for legislation? I don't think that they do. I can't. I can't think of one off the top of my head that does. Nope. Um, you know, so not not even not even those wacky Brits. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they, it's just not. It's not something that's done anywhere else. And I. I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, it's a legacy of the Jim Crow era, really and truly. It was, it was created primarily to uphold white supremacist laws. And again, you know, I want to just be really clear about this. Uh, in the same way that saying earlier in the conversation, we said, you know, the vaccine works and is safe and masks prevent the spread of COVID. That's a fact. That's not political. In the same way, Black Lives Matter is a fact. It's a fact of life. Human life matters. Black people are human. Therefore, Black Lives Matter. That is just, you know, it's like, the water, water is wet, the sun is a star, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so when we start talking about, you know, white supremacy, some people will say, well, you're being partisan. It's like, no, being against white supremacy is not a Republican or a Democrat thing. It's not a right or a left thing. It's a right versus a wrong thing. And I think anybody, and, and there are, there are very, there are moral people who are conservative, who are quite anti-white supremacist. And I think we need to be focusing on that. And focusing on how do we how do we get past this racism this legacy of racism in our country see and that goes right back to what we were talking about earlier is like if we allow ourselves to be afraid of these things and to actively seek you know the removal of certain groups from having a voice in this in the way mm -hmm. this the society runs then who's going to speak up for me when some other group says you've 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 served your purpose now we don't want you to have a say anymore yeah, it's at first they came for the right. Right. You know, first they came for the trade unionists, and then they came for the communists, and then you know. Right. And by the time what they was, got to me, no one was there. What was that other quote from the drumhead? Uh, the road from legitimate suspicion to rampant paranoia is very much shorter than we think. Yep. 
that's a that's a damn good quote. So, yeah, so, the filibuster, just if you're into etymology, it just literally just means pirate. Yeah. And and in this context, it was applied because certain uh, disingenuous legislators of the 1860s were pirating the discussion to overthrow the vote. I didn't know that that was the, the, the uh, origin of the term. That's thank you for telling me that I'm definitely oh, going to use that. <laughs> Just call them pirates. They're just pirates. Yep. Privateers. Political yeah. privateers. <laughs> so for the sake of fairness, though, right, are there any downsides that you can think of to getting rid of the filibuster? Does this mean that, you know, in well, next time around when the Republicans take over a a House or a Senate, mm-hmm. they just run roughshod over the wills of the minority, too? Well, so the filibuster is a Senate rule. It's not applied in the House. Um it can be though. The Demo- yeah, it can. It can be, but it ha- It's not. It, it is at the Let's moment. Let's not give them that idea. Yeah, no. The definitely not. Definitely not give that that idea. Um, you know, the Democrats have have deployed it to slow down uh, judicial nominations that they didn't like. Um, and I, you know, being somebody who looks at those judicial nominations and and you know wants to scream bloody murder as an individual human being. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I have been glad that that tool is there, but at the end of the day, it is, it is an exercise of minority rule and you can't have a stand, one standard for one group of people and another standard for a different group of people. And that applies as much to Republicans and Democrats as to anybody. Right. Um, as those standards will inevitably be inevitably be used against you. Exactly. What I will say to add the fact, though, judicial nominees can't be filibustered anymore. That got they got rid of that under Harry Reid. Then they expanded it on now under then you couldn't get rid of Supreme Court nominees couldn't Mm -hmm. be filibustered the same way. So now it's just like the slow retreat of the filibusters already ongoing. Why not just kill Mm -hmm. it off? Right? Yeah, exactly. That's yet another very good argument. Rules change all the time. Um, and, And again, at the end of the day, you have to have people who are negotiating and operating in good faith the good faith piece is the key here and it is i think obvious to anybody with eyes that there are people who are not operating in good faith right now yeah that's the part where the founders would be like gobsmacked by this right they would be shocked that there is this much contrarian behavior like you agree that infrastructure is good why are you voting against this bill when you agree with the infrastructure goal Mm -hmm. kind of stuff like yeah it's the acting in bad faith that i think would disappoint the most yeah, well, I mean, just again that they, you know, our our country's founders were also, you know, slaveholders, and absolutely, um, and the country was built on white male entitlement. So who knows how they would feel, uh, you know, if they were here now, and whether or not they would uh, agree um, with, you know, the direction that we're taking things. But I think overall, you're probably right that they would they would kind of look at the the way that the system has been hacked and think poorly of it. I can imagine that for sure. Cool. Wow. So we've covered the filibuster pretty thoroughly. It's bad, mm-hmm. it should die. We've yes. covered the For the People Act itself and how mm-hmm. it's important and how we can get it passed and what we can do to act upon it. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other big subjects here, Dag, that you think you wanna cover on this? I think we kind of went right through everything I feel pretty good about this conversation. I really enjoyed it. As have I. Oh, Renzo, is, these are always when, amazing. When I am next in DC, you and I need to have coffee. 
Absolutely. With your game. Okay. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure you're just your using him back. to meet Tuvix. I'm so mad. Yep. Yep. That's There's all about the dog. Right now. It's There's all actually, about Wait. There's a fantastic place that you can that we can go to that has like a brew house slash dog park, which works really well for that kind of thing. Oh all of my puppies. god. Did you see my eyebrows go like <laughs> <laughs> That's great? Fantastic. So it's so you're on. You're so uh, on. Um, all right. I might be out um, there next week, so we'll talk. That's cool. awesome. So uh if you've been listening along, we're gonna have links to a whole lot of stuff down in the information section on the YouTube mm-hmm. video. So you're gonna be able to find like uh, the text of the bill, a summary, um, voter support information, you know, where do these numbers come from? Where do these statistics that we called off, where do those come from? Um, details on what gerrymandering is, if that's a new word for you, or if you've heard it before, but you didn't know how wicked it, it's been used. Um, there is going to be a link to contacting your your representative, how to find them. Mm-hmm. But you can also, as Tay said, text the word resist to 50409 and follow the prompts. Then tell your senators, number one, eliminate the filibuster. Number two, pass all provisions for the For the People Act. And number three, you don't get to go on vacation until that's done. Mm-hmm. And we have until August 8th to do that. So a little over two and a half weeks. Right. So talk to your friends. Yeah. Talk to your friends. Get the word this out. Is not, this is not the time to be, you know, polite around the dinner table and not talk about politics. Although this isn't, again, this isn't a political issue. This is a, this is just bread and butter. Like, do we want a democracy or not? But talk right. to your friends, talk to your family, talk to your neighbors, talk to your coworkers, you know, talk to people at the dog park. Like, I just want bring it up. Any chance you get and tell people to do this. If you're still listening, I'm really grateful. And if you're the kind of person who's like, I don't like this talk, blah, blah, blah. Look, I want nothing more than for you to be able to vote against the stuff that I'm voting for, if that's your attitude, because do it. Yeah. Make it so. Yeah. Cancel out my vote, right? You know, I'm going to vote for lefty liberal things, but I want you to vote too. So vote. Right. Yeah. And if it's really, really weird of a concept to find people advocating for your right to actually work against them. That's just breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the day. I don't even know. It's a crazy thing. It's a very trekky thing of us to do, right? Yes, indeed. Celebrating your diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, Tay, if any of the listeners want to get a hold of you on social media, is that possible? Absolutely. I am Tay Phoenix. That's T A E Phoenix, just like the the bird or the city. Um, uh, at you know, basically everywhere. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, that, that clock app, TikTok, whatever it is, you know, I'm on there every now and again. Um, and you know, I have YouTube, I've got a website, you know, you can, you can pretty easily find me anywhere. Um, and I'm always happy to talk about this stuff. Um, you can also follow at Trek the vote on those platforms and, uh, and, you know, follow along with what, uh, what we're up to with Trek the vote. There's going to be more coming, um, you know, as we're sort of between election cycles and then going into the next election cycle, how do we mobilize more Trekkies to protect our democracy? Yeah. Uh, Renzo, where can we find you online? Honestly, I have a Twitter. If you message me, I might respond. I don't really check it much. The best way, honestly, to reach me is through Reddit. If you see me, Reddit, it's at Hawkshark. Just message me and I'm happy to talk about or debate anything that you want. Star Trek politics. I'm here for it. Okay. Hawkshark. I'm going to find you. And if you want to talk to me anymore, you can find me at Trek Nexus on Twitter. 
Um, and you can follow the podcast at Beyond Trek Pod. Um, what's the things that the YouTubers <clears throat> say? Make sure to smash that like button and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also uh, find links to our Patreon if you think we're cool enough to give a dollar or two a month. Uh, Tay, thank you so much for joining us. It's such a fabulous time having you on the show. I would I, like thank to do you this again tomorrow. Me. Yeah, we can we can do, we can do this lots. I'm always happy to come on here and talk with you guys. Mm, awesome. This we could great. even just do a a thing where we talk about just Star Trek. I would totally do that. That'd be weird. I mean, what? we can have you on for one of our riff tracks or something if you'd like. That could be fun. <laughs> sure. Let's do a it. A Star Trek podcast that talks about Star Trek. <gasps> the world going to crazy? Yes. Well, audience, thank you so much. Have a great one and we will catch you on the flip side. Indeed. Live long and prosper. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile.